0: I don't wanna be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. From the top to the bottom, I was raised to be solid. Really, at every angle, I ain't worried about the oddity see the hate, tunnel vision on the profit. Boss moves if I want it, best believe I cops it. Team so tough, moving silence like the mafia. Trying to get the form whip, probably name it Claudia. White rocking Tiffany, that's just another day to me. I be living lavish, that's why these haters be hating me. Stronger than I ever been, never break, never been. God first, family second, money is like next again. So if you come in for me, pull the trigger, gone and shoot. Kevlar mindset, lifestyle, bulletproof. Bulletproof, built tougher than your average. Ultimate hustler, I'm the total package bulletproof I know you see me in your scope I'm the captain of the ship you just a sailor with a boat bulletproof built up within your average ultimate hustler I'm the total package bulletproof I know you see me in your scope I'm the captain of the ship you just a sailor with a boat bulletproof What's up everybody You're on the Bulletproof Mafia I'm Michael Munsterman Today we're talking about ownership So I joined this I do this every year. Every year I pick some sort of a mastermind or coaching program or or something where I pay someone who's really good at something that I want to be better at to help me level up my game. It's It's this thing that I started way before I could afford to do it. I just thought that I thought that they're really good at this thing. So why would I not trust them to be great enough like their results show that they're the best why don't I not trust them to help me be better and in m- most cases I finish all the way out now some of those guys have these revolving door systems inside of inside of the way that they execute their business model because coaching is their business consulting is their business that they want to keep you in it, like just forever that's not normally my jam because I find that most people have this like wash, rinse, and repeat mentality when it comes to their superpowers. I'm really good at this. I've become a millionaire. And so I'm going to teach you this thing. And once you learn this thing that I know, then it's going to help you to to better escalate it and climb the ladder that you're trying to climb. What I've found is is that for me, the, the degree that I'm consistently hunting is fill in the gaps. Like I want to fill in the spaces of of weaknesses that I have. And, and really, that's a hard place to get to because ego starts to get in your way a little bit whenever, whenever you have this thought, when you look in the mirror and you think, holy crap, like, I'm really good at this thing. There's this thing that I'm really, really good at. And for a lot of people, that thing will blind them it blinds them to all sorts of different situations. And we'll talk about that blindness here in a minute. You know, we're obviously at some point I'm going to reference grandpa and, and walking with your eyes open, right? But back to this latest mastermind. So, it's this it's this thing called the 2 comma club. And it's a bunch of people who aspire to take their businesses to 2 commas. Why well, don't I don't get in an industry Unless I believe that it's going to do over a million dollars in sales. So the Two Comma Club is, is not that interesting to me. But they had some things as part of the package that were really interesting to me. Some things that I really wanted to know, learn, that I thought would help me scale. And always, I'm paying to increase my network. And it's cliche as all I'll get out, but your network is your net worth. The people who you know and surround yourself with intentionally increases the value of your life. So I joined this mastermind, and I've had a, a good friend of mine, his name's Dominic, I, I go to CrossFit with him, um, he's, he's just a good, good dude. One day he's like, do you listen to audiobooks? I'm like, yeah, I do. And, and he's like, cool, I've got one for you. And, and he pulls out of his truck this thing of CDs, and it was Extreme Ownership by Jocko Wilnick. And I, I think I said that correctly, but regardless of that, him and Leif Babin write this book called Extreme Ownership. And I, I listened to a few of the the CDs, and then I got distracted. Switch cars, did something. I didn't finish it. And I was like, man, I, I really need to finish that. And and it was on my list of books that I wanted to buy, things that I thought would help me. So I joined this mastermind this year. And And these guys, as a gift, sent the book Extreme Ownership. And so just real quick... And complete side note on this conversation because I don't think this is going to be relevant for a lot of people. But think about that. You join a club that's trying to help people break the million-dollar mark in sales. And the first thing that they send you is a book that says, hey, this book says extreme ownership. Another way to put that is own your shit. Own it. And that's the thing. That's kind of where the topics of of this podcast comes from and where all this kind of spins to is I open this box from this company and inside of it's a book, Extreme Ownership. And I begin to read it. And typically this is the way this works for me when I'm consuming content again or, or consuming content for the first time. You've heard me say this in a lot of the episodes of my podcasts. Every time I experience a life situation or I read a book or I watch a video, I think, how can I apply this to another area of my life? And so in extreme ownership, we're talking about the battlefield and taking responsibility and, hey, this total shit show just happened. Who's responsible? And Jocko says, I am totally responsible for for all of it. Yes, some people made some mistakes here. Some people made some mistakes over there. But ultimately, this was my team. This was my responsibility. I'm responsible. And he owns it. He takes extreme ownership of, of the shit show in business, as a business leader, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you have to do this every single day. If your business is profitable and successful, it's your fault. If your business is failing, it's your fault. Fault isn't a negative word. It's, it just says you're representing that you are taking ownership of the outcome of the situation. The result is your fault. And it's such a true statement. And it's something that most people do not live by. They live in this place where everybody else did them dirty. Everybody else is wrong. I can see the faults in them and in them and in this situation and that situation. And how it all ties together somehow is my fault. And then when they tell the story though, it's never my fault. And I just just jumbled that up. So let me just clean that up a little bit. If you have something happen to you, if you lose your job or if you quit or if you run away from a fight or a situation or or whatever, if your kids get bad grades and you're a parent, it is your fault. Well, they're a senior. uh, It's your fault. Your kids are starting to act a little wild, get out of control, do shit, say shit, do things and and, and operate in a manner that you're uncomfortable with. You have to own that. You make what you make because of you, not because your boss won't give you a raise. That's not his fault. It's your fault. The result is your fault. Like I need you to, I need you to just soak that up and be with that for a minute. So this company that that I joined, that that like I joined this organization and, and this mastermind so I can surround myself with really brilliant people and level up and I'm surrounded by a bunch of different entrepreneurs, marketers, people that have like their head in a very specific game. All these people are circling around me and getting to know them and networking into these different conversations. It's sparking ideas and doing what it's supposed to do. But they give me this book that says, own your shit. And so... As I I'm consuming this, I'm living and I'm watching and I'm I'm operating and, and I go into an interview situation. A nice young guy. With, they're they're looking for we're looking for technicians inside of our dealership and and so I I'm sitting there and I'm I'm listening and I'm I'm observing him and he goes through this story and he mentions one of his pre- previous employers and he says that they were doing things that were unethical and so for that reason he had to leave and I'm like oh that dude that's admirable cool. And so then he starts talking about another job, and I say, oh, that's really fascinating. What happened there? Why, why, why'd you end up leaving that place? And, and, and he tells another story, and it was their fault. Second time, I think, okay, yeah, you, you know what? You could have had a string of bad luck. And I said, well, tell me about your job right now. And he starts to talk about his perception of the environment and the situation and how things are going and things that he doesn't like. And I say, cool, so what do you think you could do to make that situation better? Well, I can't do anything because of him and him and that person and this person. I don't like their management style. And it becomes their fault, their fault. And like, he's delivering this in a very couth manner. He's very well spoken. And I could see how he could get these jobs at these other places because ultimately for so many people, they're just trying to fill seats. But all I'm hearing is it's their fault. And so I, I go through this interview process. I ask him, hey, what's your superpower? Like, what, what's the thing that when you come to work here that we're gonna be like, holy shit, that guy really shines in this area. Tell me about that. And he tells me about that. And I say, OK, cool. What about this thing over here? Um, yeah, he tells me about that. And again, very well spoken, a good interviewer. and And I think, you know, maybe I've just misinterpreted this guy. And so. I said, you know, you talked about several places that you left. And I said, but, but, but in all of those conversations, like, tell me of a situation that maybe you were just a little immature or maybe your perspective was skewed that now you realize that something's different and you could see how maybe if you would have went back, something could have been done differently. And he tells a story. And the details of the story don't even matter. I, I almost want to tell you the story, but I'm not going to do it. Essentially, his boss told him to change a set of like to spray paint some wheels on a car. He's a technician, right? Like spray spray paint some wheels on a car, and the kid refused. He said, "I'm not going to I'm not going to fix these things cheaply. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it right." So he ordered expensive stuff, and he fixed them, and he did it the right way. And and look, the, what he said was admirable, right? Like he did, the right thing by the car, but it wasn't what he was told to do. And so he said it made him mad. And they started giving me a bunch of shit about it, so I just quit. Like he tried, he tried to use my question to make himself look better and to position to so I would think, wow, he does what's best by the customer always. Yeah, we want that guy. But what he said to me was, they told me what to do and I decided not to do it because it wasn't what was right to do and it's their fault. Like I would have much rather heard him say, you know what, I stormed out of there like a punk kid because I was pissed off and aggravated and that really probably wasn't the right thing to do. What I should have did was just done what I was told because I don't understand the perspective from every angle and there might have been a reason, there might have been a customer that that extra $100 that I put in that car would have been the $100 that they didn't have that they would have then needed to come up with cash down to get approved from one of the lenders and so the the customer didn't get the car like he doesn't know what he doesn't know right but at the end of the day he didn't take ownership for this situation in fact the kid in the entire interview didn't take ownership for anything and I've seen this again and again and again where people turn a blind eye the result is your fault. And look, w- when you win, celebrate that shit because you earned it. When your team's profitable and they're making money and business is good, good on you, you earned it. You should be celebrating. You should tell people, I'm winning. The result's my fault. Now, a really great leader will say, is our fault. Like, it's our team. We all rose together and, and, congratulations team you did this really great thing like it's not being it's not about pride it's just about hey recognizing it is what it is you built a machine that's working good but when something breaks why would you point to someone else and blame them for the result it's not their fault it's your fault and if you live in that space where you take extreme ownership for absolutely everything that's going on in your world what you'll find is that the people who work with you around you and for you will begin to do the same thing almost to a point that it'll irritate you because you'll be like holy no no it's not your fault it's my fault <laughs> no it's 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 my fault sir i, I i'm really no it's, it's it's my i like i want to be a fault here this is my fault because When you take ownership for every situation, you stop being a victim and you get super empowered. So when someone else tries to take ownership for the fault, they're robbing you of power. Well, that doesn't make any sense, Michael. What you're saying to me is when I fail, I win. Yes. And when you win, you win. You extract a win if you stand there and take it. I am responsible for the results in my life. Good or bad, they're mine. I'm the one that's going to stand here. I'm the one that's going to answer for them. I'm the one that reaps the results. I'm the one that lives the life that I live because of what I choose to do with my time, with my energy, with my money, with my relationships. No one else. If my business fails, it's not their fault. It's mine. And then there are these wild cars, right? Your car breaks down. Is that your fault? No, it's not your fault. But how you respond to it becomes your fault. Are you a victim? Is it the dealership that sold you the car's fault? No. Because when you bought the car, you could have bought a warranty. And then it's not a big deal. It's a phone call and your car gets fixed and you're done. What most people do is they, they roll the dice. And then they choose to blame the shitty car dealership that sold them the lemon. Well, did you buy a warranty? No, I didn't buy a warranty. Why would, why would, I, why would I need a warranty? I just bought the car. So you try to cut a corner and they're the shitty person. You're, you're not, you're good, right? You're not at fault. It's them. I'm literally going to court next month to stand in a in like I've got somebody suing me personally because he can't afford an attorney. Bought a car from me. Drove it for 60 days and started to notice something was going wrong. And he, he called us and wanted us to pay for it. We're like, look, we sell them as is. We base the price on what you did, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, like we can't we, we can't do that because we set precedents. If we do that for you, we have to do that for everybody in the future. We, the new rule at Munster Renato would be, hey, you've got 60 days and we'll just pay for everything. We can't do it. And the guy's been belligerent and just an absolute dick, and so I have to deal with him. But the fact is... Is that if he would have said, you know, as a grown man, I bought a car, I didn't get the warranty, it's breaking, I need to fix it. It's my car. I own it. And now he's like making up a bunch of horseshit that that's just absolute lies, saying that we didn't disclose everything in the contract and we didn't well, we go through the exact same speech every single time. I record my guys' conversations, I know what they say, I watch them like a hawk because we're not we don't we don't need to cheat in business to get ahead. How's that taking ownership for the results? It's not. It's hacking and it will bite you. But like this is this is what I'm talking about. You're sitting on the couch. You're fat. You're watching TV and you're miserable. You're out of breath, you're unhealthy, you're uncomfortable. Everything in your life isn't the way that you want it. But it's 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 not me. I I've just I'm big-boned. The only thing that's thick is your skull. Like well, that's not true. Your waistline's thick. That's what we're talking about. But you get what I'm saying? Like, it's like it's it's your fault. Because when I stroll into the gym at six a.m., that means I've been up since sometime between four forty-five and six. Gotten up, had a cup of coffee, gotten around, read a little bit, done something. Maybe had a conference call with guys over on the other side of the world to build something cool. Like that's what I that's what I'm doing tomorrow morning. But when I get to the gym at six, there's 30 other people that have already been there an hour. Some of them are big. Some of them are in the beginning of their health journey. The the beginning of their awakening. They recognize that their situation is their fault. They're taking extreme ownership of their waistline. And they're not falling victim to the story of it's my fault. They're falling victim to a new story. It's my life. While you're asleep because you stayed up sedating and watching TV until the wee hours. Like you have to take extreme ownership. You have to own your shit. The result is your fault. Without exception. There is no exception. If you're in a situation that you had any control over at all, on any level, in any relationship, in any situation, in any circumstance, if you made a decision that put you into the conversation, you have to own the result. Could you be driving along and doing everything right and get sideswiped by a drunk driver? Absolutely. And could I be a total dick and say, well, you chose to be on that street at that time? I sure could. Is that fair? No, it's not. So is that what I'm talking about? No. Don't give yourself an excuse to dismiss what I'm saying over an asinine detail like that. But if you were the guy that got behind the wheel and thought it was a good idea to drink and then drive... I don't give a shit if you just get a little curb rash on the wheel. It w- I, And I don't care if there were 13 dogs in, in the middle of the street and a tap dancer you swerved to miss. It's still your fault, homie. If your kids are winning or losing, it's your fault. If your marriage is winning or losing, oh, I'm going to piss some people off right now, it's your fault. It's not theirs, it's yours. Be the change you want to see in the world sort of a deal. I just really want you to get this. I'm going to say it one more time and it's the end. But I want this to stick with you. So when the podcast shuts off, don't play the next one. Don't hit play. Sit in your car. Sit in your house. Sit wherever you are. In your office. Whatever. Go silent. Go dark for 30 seconds, 60 seconds. And repeat what I'm about to say to you. Until you believe it. The result is my fault. The result is my fault. The result is your fault. Savvy. I'm the captain of the ship. You just a sailor with a boat. Bulletproof.